Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Today we are in week three of our series, David. David, what a life of drama. Today, by the grace of God, we'll be looking at the military battles of David. The military battles of David. We, we, we said the battles of David, but we, we um, rephrased it because David fought other battles that are emotional, for instance. He didn't do very well in his emotional battles. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Today we are looking at the military battles of David. And David did not lose a single war. Not one. David did not lose one war. He didn't lose one war. I mean, that is just awesome. We have kings that, if you read the book of Chronicles, see, I mean, list of kings, how they fought wars, the, the ones they won, the ones they lost, and all that stuff. David, in recorded history, according to the Bible, David fought the most wars of any king of Israel. And he did not lose one. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm praying today, that beginning from today, you will not lose a single battle in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. David did not lose a single battle. David fought so much that his successor, his son, Solomon, didn't have to fight a single battle. Because of David, largely because of David, God said to Solomon, I will give you peace round about. Solomon did not fight a single battle throughout his life. Now, why that is good, that is also not very good. Because Solomon was pretty idle as a king. And he began to he practically backslid. Solomon actually practically backslid and began to worship other gods. So those of us that are parents, you know, we can love our children so much that we fight all their battles for them. We fight all their battles for them. We don't even leave a single one for them to fight. That's not very good because, you know, the children become, they think life is about bread and butter. Their peers will be stronger because those ones know what it is to fight. Every human being was designed to fight, even right from the, our mother's womb. None of us here will be here if you are not a fighter. Everybody here is a fighter. Praise the name of the Lord. That's the truth. Let's, let's take your journey back to when you were conceived. Millions of sperm were running. All of them. Guess who won? You. You won. After nine months, you were tired of the belly. You fought. I want to come out. I want to come out. I want to come out. And you won. So you were born a champion, I mean, practically. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Everyone. And, and David's life is, is, is peculiar. It's, it's so peculiar. David actually fought 27 battles and won all of them. 11 of them with one person, his father-in-law. And his boss. Imagine you fighting 11 battles with your father-in-law. You think you have very interesting in-laws. Look at David. President of the Lord. David's father-in-laws 
objective was to eliminate him. Now, if you take all the 11 battles that he fought uh, against Saul as one, David fought 17 battles. Taking all the 11 battles with Saul as one. So David fought 17 battles. You know, just chronicle them, you know, very quickly. And just to show you, David fought Goliath. First Samuel 17. The battle was a victory. David won. David fought Saul. First Samuel 18 to 20. David won. David fought the Philistines. First Samuel 23, 1 to 5. David won. David fought the Geshurites, the Gezatites, the Gezites, and the Amalekites, all the kites. And David won. First Samuel 27. David fought the Amalekites. First Samuel 30. David won. David fought the Benjamites. Civil War. Second Samuel 2, 3, and 4. David won. David fought the Jebusites. The original inhabitants of Jerusalem. David won. Second Samuel 5, 6 to 10. David fought the Philistines. Second Samuel 5, 17, 18, 19, and 20. David won. David fought the Philistines again. Part 4 of that fight. I said David's life is the drama. There's part 1, part 2, part 3. Part 4 of that fight. Second Samuel 5, 22 to 24, 5. David won again. David fought the Ammonites. David won. That's 2 Samuel 10. David fought the Ammonites again. Part 2. David won. 2 Samuel 11 to 12. David fought Absalom. His eldest son. 2 Samuel 13, 18. David won. David fought Sheba. 2 Samuel 20. David won. David fought the Philistines, part 5. 2 Samuel 21, 15 to 17, David won. David fought the Philistines again, part 6. 2 Samuel 21, 18, David won. David fought the Philistines again, part 7. 2 Samuel 22, 19, the battle was a victory for David. David fought the Philistines again, part 8. When is not... Nollywood movies, part one, part two, part three. <laughs> part eight, David won again. Second Samuel 22, 20 to 22. David won, David won, David won, David won. I'm praying from today, it will be written of you, and you fought this battle, and you won. And you fought that battle, and you won. And you fought that other battle, and you won. In the mighty name of Jesus. What was behind David's victory? Before we look at that, you know, there's, because if you can learn what David knew and he never lost the battle, we will not lose the battle. What did he know? What did David know? But before we look at that, there's a battle that David could have lost. It's a battle that David could have lost. In 2 Chronicles 21, the battle would have been a disaster for David. The story is told how David woke up one day and said he wanted to number the children of Israel. He wanted to number them and, you know, out of pride. Joab begged him. David did not listen. Didn't listen. He numbered them out of pride and God was upset. And God called 
told God, God was David's personal seer, and God said to God, God, tell David, he has offended me. And God told David, and David repented. David said, I'm sorry, I have done wrong before God. And God said, you are sorry, I've forgiven you, but I'm going to flog you. And God said to David, choose one of three things. Number one, three years of famine. Number two, three months in the hands of your enemies in war that you'll be utterly defeated. Number three, three days in my hand. If it were you, what would you choose? Three years of famine? Three months of defeat? Or three days of God himself flogging you? If what a man, if, if a man flogs you for 30 years, God can flog you for one day and it will be more than that 30 years. You know that? So which one will you choose? David was in a fix. And David said, don't let me fall into the hand of man. Let me fall into the hand of God. Even though God can be more severe, with God there is mercy. There's mercy. His mercy is endures. So while he's flogging me, I can be begging him. And he will hear. But man, when man is flogging you, you beg and beg and beg. He will stop. In fact, if you finish that three months, I want to do extra. David knew that. David said, let me fall into the hand of God. For with God there is mercy. If you need to understand something this morning, you need to understand that. With God, there is what? There's mercy. And God dealt with him. An an, an angel began to sweep through Israel and killed 70,000 people. And David was begging God and begging God. And the angel stopped at the treasure floor of honor and the Jebusite. You know the story and all that stuff. David could, that would have been the first and the only battle that David lost. But he didn't fight it. He said to God, you deal with me. Don't send me to war. Praise the name of the Lord. That's the battle he could have lost. Then there's another battle that he almost lost. There's a battle David almost lost. Out of the 17 battles that we listed, there was one that David almost lost. What battle was that? That was the battle with Absalom, his son. That was the battle with Absalom, his son. One of the toughest battles anybody can fight. One of the toughest battles you can ever fight is the battle against your son. Or your daughter. And I'm praying today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That you will not have to fight your son. And you will not have to fight your daughter. In the mighty name of Jesus. It's the toughest battle anybody can fight. How did that battle come about? David had 
many wives. Amnon was, was one of the sons from one wife. Then Absalom, everybody say Absalom, was another son from another wife. Absalom had a sister called Tamar. Tamar was very beautiful. And Absalom loves Tamar, his sister, so much, Absalom named his daughter Tamar. Now, Amnon fell and lost him after Tamar, his half-sister. And Amnon was lovesick, or lost-sick, should we say, for Tamar. But Amnon had a friend called Jonadab. And Jonadab is also his cousin. Jonadab said, let me tell you what you do. Pretend as if you are sick. Then um, Jonadab came up with a plan. Be careful who your friends are. You know, some of us, we think it's, our friends are just harmless. Your friends are powerful. They can determine the course of your destiny. If you are not careful. And Amnon, he was at the weakest point of his life. He saw it as a good plan. And he asked the plan. David sent Tamar to bring food for his brother that was sick. Is that a bad thing? No. Amnon listened to his friend, shut the door, raped his sister. She begged him, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. He wouldn't hear. He raped her. As soon as he finished raping her, he hated her. Anyone that has committed fornication before knows what I'm talking about. Before you committed the fornication, as if you can't do without it, right? As soon as you are done, what happens? So Amnon hated her. And Tamar went home crying. When Tamar got home crying, Absalom was like, what happened? What happened to you? And Tamar told Absalom. Absalom was furious. was angry. And guess what Absalom did? Nothing. For two years. Absalom did nothing. Oh, Amnon, my guy. He shake his hands. They will laugh together. Nothing. Nobody suspected anything. Two years after, Absalom threw a party, invited all the sons of the king, and killed Amnon for the sin he committed two years before. Be careful of people that you offend and smile with you. Be very careful. Be careful of people that you do stuff to. And they say, oh, it's okay. Uh, no, no, no problem. It's okay. No problem. Be careful. I'd rather have people that will look me in the face and say, tell me what I have done. President of God. Those kind of people are safer. The people that will tag along and tag along and tag along and tag along. When they will nail you, you'll be shocked. President of God. That was how Absalom was. Now, of course, David heard. David was not, was not happy. Absalom ran to his father, his grandfather's house and stayed there. But David's heart was towards Absalom. You see, that is the father's heart. That was the father's heart. David's heart was towards Absalom all along. He was not happy. But his heart was there. And Joab knew that this man, see, you know. So Joab asked a plan. Long story short, David said, okay, 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 okay. 
he can come back to his house, but I don't want to see his face. So for two years, another two years, Absalom was in his house. After two years, Absalom was like, what's this? He was irritated. He wanted to be recognized. So he sent for Joab. Joab ignored him. You know what he did? He sent Joab's field on fire. His farm. He burnt the whole thing. And Joab went to him. Absalom, why did you burn my my farm? Absalom said, maybe I called you. You said you were not coming. Now you are here. I burnt your farm because I wanted your attention. These are the spoils, brat. Anyway, now go tell the king, what's the point of bringing me back to Jerusalem if I cannot come to the palace? So the king says, okay, 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 okay. Come to the palace. Came to the palace. The Bible says, every morning, Absalom will wake up. He will go to the gate of the city. Everyone that's coming out of the king's palace, we ask them, what have you gone to do there? He will tell him, oh, I had a dispute with so and so, and the king, they gave me this judgment. And Absalom will look at the judgment and say, ah, if I were the judge, this thing, you have a case here, you have a case here, and the people will say, hey, Absalom say, of course, you have a case here. So, Absalom did that every day for four years. <laughs> and the scripture says, and Absalom stole the heart of the people. Everyone in leadership, you need to watch out for the spirit of Absalom in the people around you. What's the spirit of Absalom? The spirit of Absalom is like, this is what they have said, though, but if it were me, this is a better way of doing it. That's an Absalom spirit. An Absalom spirit is, uh, that is, that's, is that what the HOD said? Uh, only if pastor will be spiritual and make me the HOD. Then you see how this department will make progress. That's the spirit of Absalom. So for four years, he was patient, he was consistent. The Bible says he, he, he bought a, a chariot and he hired 50 bodyguards. He was consistent. At the end of four years, he led a revolution and drove David from the palace. David was running. Practically on barefoot from Absalom. And Absalom took over Israel. Slept with the wives of David. On the same top where David saw Bathsheba. Now I ask myself, why did David almost lose this battle against Absalom? Why was this battle the toughest battle for him to fight? The first reason was because it was part of God's punishment for David. It was part of God's punishment for David. David, God had said, this will happen. When David said with Bathsheba, we learned last week, God said, you have repented, I have heard you, I have forgiven you, but I am going to flog you. I'm going to give you three punishments. You cannot choose one. The three of them will happen. Number one, the child will die. Number two, the sword will not depart from your house. Number three, someone close to you will sleep with your wives at the rooftop in front of the whole of Israel. 
because you did this, you slept with Bathsheba and you killed her husband. You know, and, and there you see God forgiving David on one hand and punishing David on the other hand. So people can't wrap their minds around that. They, they think, oh, after all, God has forgiven David. God says, yes, to whom much is given, much is expected. People quote David as an example to sin and to say, I've, I've, I've prayed at the blood of Jesus. Uh, all things are possible. God says, yes. If you die now, you go to heaven. But while you're on head, here's your, here's your koboko. <laughs> A God of faithfulness without injustice, good and upright. Is he? he is a God of faithfulness without injustice, good and upright. Is he? God <laughs> forgives, God disciplines. In fact, the Bible says, Hebrews 12, 6, that the child that the father accepts, he does what? He chastises. In fact, chastisement is a sign of acceptance. So if you are doing something, and you are doing something, and God is not chastising you, check. Be very afraid. You know, I used to, used to bother me when I first gave my life to Jesus. It used to bother me. Even while I was small, when I was very small, my grandmother used to say to, to me that she's noticed that every other person we do things that get away with this. For you, when you do something, your own punishment is very fast. And I was the most rebellious. Your own punishment was very fast. And as I was rebellious, God was dealing with me. And when I gave my life to Jesus, of course I ignored everything my grandmother said, but when I gave my life to Jesus, I noticed that it appears that every Christian in court can be doing certain things. But me, I can't do it. As soon as I want to do it, I will just say, Pwah! I've not even done half of what uh, brother so-and-so did now. It used to confuse me. I used to think, why is my own like this? Until I noticed that I am beloved of the Lord. <laughs> I am a favorite of God. <laughs> I, I, I mean, honestly, you know, to be a favorite of God has huge responsibilities. Yes, listen, there are certain things I know pastors, without talking about anybody, it's not talking about anybody, that do certain things and they go away with it. They get away with it. If I try it, I'm dead. I'm, as in, literally dead. I know that. Before, when I was still young in God, I used to struggle with it. I used to say, ah, but God, why? This Christian did this and they've repented. Are you forgiving them? And I, I, I can't, nobody can judge them. So why can't I to, to, to enjoy this thing and, and come and repent? He used to pay me. But now, I realize that the reason I can't do it It's because God has said, I have chosen to favor you. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. But 
I'm saying that I can show you my scars. I have scars. Everyone that is favored of God can show you their scars. David can show you his scars. If you are doing something and God is not dealing with you, go to God and say, what have I done? That you have abandoned your son. Honestly, honestly, honestly. Why? Because, you know, the Bible says that if he doesn't chastise you, then it means you're a bastard. Praise the Lord. So, the first reason why David almost lost this battle, it was the most difficult battle for him, was because it was God's discipline. The second reason is, 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 is the obvious reason is because it's, it's one of the most difficult battles anyone can fight. The battle against your flesh and your blood. Either physically or spiritually. The greatest battle a spiritual father can fight is to fight against a spiritual son. Or a spiritual daughter. It's the, it's the most devastating battle. The, the greatest battle a father can fight is for his son to rise up against him. It's one of the most devastating battles. Praise the name of the Lord. And Joab was with David while David was running from Absalom. Shimei, some guy called Shimei, the one, one son of the senator of Saul, the house of Saul, saw David and was abusing him, was cursing him, and was cursing him. And one of David's um, um, soldiers said to David, oh God, please give me permission. Let me cut off his head. Why should he be wagging his tongue against you? You know, many of us will have been angry at Shimei, even if we don't cut off his head. You know what David said? David said, let him abuse me. Maybe God will see the insult and have mercy on me. I was like, wow. David was like, let the abuses come. I will take the abuses to God and say, God, can you see? They are saying that she's going to church again. She's going to church again. No? Do you understand? Some of us are ashamed of the gospel because there's something that people are using to mock you. No! Turn it around as a weapon of victory. Praise the name of the Lord. Want to clap? That's a good place to clap. David, David turned it around. He turned it around. He said to, he said to them, maybe God will look at me and... So, so, you know, I can't tell you the details of Ahithophel and how his counsel fell and how God set Absalom up. Fast forwarding. Now Absalom is chasing David. While he was chasing David, he was on his chariots. His hair was so long. The Bible says he cuts his hair once a year. The Bible described him as the finest in Israel. Absalom was, if you look at, if you want the epitome of a flawless, quote-unquote, guy that was Absalom. But that same year that was his glory was what hung him on the tree. Every time you chase your father, the same thing 
that brought glory to you, we hang you. Every time you chase your father. You know, David understood that. That's why he, he, he couldn't even touch Saul. When Saul was lying down there, I told you the story last, we talked about the story last week. He couldn't, he didn't even touch him. He says, who will touch him, I will be guiltless. Absalom said, I will chase you and I will kill you. The same thing that was his glory hung him on the tree. Now, a soldier, come back a little bit. David, before the, the, the battle began, David had called all his soldiers and had said to them, guys, it's my son. Deal gently with him. <laughs> my goodness. I can see the agony of his heart. He knew the guys he had. The guys he had were brutal. We talked about them last week. They were brutal. He says, please deal gently with a young man. And David usually would give instructions to his generals. And the generals would pass it down to the soldiers. But this time, David called everybody and gave instructions to everybody. Now, one of the soldiers saw Absalom hanging and dangling and dying. And came to Joab and said to Joab, Oga, I just saw Absalom. This is where he is. He's hanging. He's dangling. He's dying. And Joab said, what did you do? Did you? Why didn't you kill him? And the guy said, why would I kill him? We were all there when the king said, we should deal gently with a young man. You know what Joab did? He had three daggers. He brought them out and went to Absalom and gave him three daggers in his heart. Boom, boom, boom. Killed him. Everybody needs a Joab. There are certain Absaloms that you cannot kill yourself. But they will have determined to kill you. May God raise a Joab for you. Amen. Some people don't even want to say amen. Because they still don't want Absalom to die. <laughs> because they are sending Absalom that you are unable to kill. Now some of you, this teaching I'm giving you is too, is deeper than your level right now. It's okay. Please buy the CD. Because you are going to grow great. And you will need it later. You will need it later. Joab killed him, dragged him down, covered him up, and went to David and told him exactly what happened. No, no, he sent messengers. One guy said he wanted to go without a message. The other guy went. But bottom line, David heard. Now, the whole army was rejoicing. But once David heard, they were rejoicing because, I mean, they could go back to their homes. They, they, they had victory. But once David heard, David was sorrowful. And, you know, there's something about leadership. You know, the, 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 the attitude of the leader infects everybody else. You know, the house may be lively, but daddy may come back from work. And because daddy has had a tough day, daddy has a, has a angry attitude. And all the children, everything just went melancholy. Why? Because daddy had a bad day. Those of us that are daddies, we need to grow up. And stop letting our bad days destroy the good days of our children. Say amen to that. We need to grow up. 
I remember back in the day, it was even not my it wasn't her dad. Back in the day, it was my mom. I think she just, you know, became a single mom, and she had to do the father mother job. And the, the weight was in, in, right now. I understand what must have happened. The, the weight was practically almost crushing her. So when she comes back, when my mom comes back from work, everybody was playing. You know, we used to say this duplex somewhere in Mushi. You said the Mushi, yeah. If I tell you, I stayed, I've stayed in almost every part of Lagos. But I'll tell you that later on. You know, that's why when, when I'm going out with my colleagues and I'm telling them the way, they're like, Apostle, you know this place? Uh. That's the heart of Juliet, where we used to... Oh, things have passed away now. Anyway, she comes home and all of us run. I'm telling you, I have a, a, a spot on the staircase going upstairs. There's a there's a um, um, like a storage area that we store our shoes. I climb into it and I hide. The first person she sees is in trouble. <laughs> but me, I know that it can never be me. <laughs> so I hear we know our horn from the beginning of the street. I hear our horn. I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. From the beginning of the street, we hear our horn. Everybody, everybody just goes and hides. She comes home. Where are the students? Where are the students? <laughs> you, what are you doing there? <laughs> so when she has calmed down, everybody will not be coming out of their close places. <laughs> Leaders, we have to be careful. You are carrying a lot of weight. I know that. You are carrying things that if the people around you knew what you were carrying, they would be more sensitive to you. They wouldn't just open their mouth and say rubbish. But they don't know. But it is still your duty to maintain the right atmosphere in your house, in your place of work, in your domain. It is your responsibility. So David heard that Absalom was dead. And David's attitude became foul. And it infected the whole camp. Everybody began to be sorrowful. And close to midnight, Joab went to David and shook him up and said to David, you are here crying. The people that did you good, you are making them feel bad. Joab said, I swear to God, if you don't get up by tomorrow morning, you will not have a single soldier. He said, I read the Bible. Ex- except God has not called me. You will not have a single soldier. Do you know what David did? He got up. Quickly. He gathered everybody and encouraged them, which means that he could have done that. Stop giving excuses for your foul attitude. He could have done that. From the beginning. And everybody was happy. And David was restored. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So that's, that's the second reason. David almost lost that battle. The third reason David almost lost that battle. Is 
Restoration without repentance we always lead to regret. Restoration without repentance we always lead to regret. Absalom was not repentant at all. He still felt slighted that the king would deal with him the way he did. He didn't see what he has done wrong. This guy raped my sister for crying out loud and I killed him. So bloody what? No repentance. When you restore someone that has not repented, every leader, listen to this. I don't know whether you are running a business or you are running a family or you're, everybody's a leader in one category or the other. When you restore someone that has not repented, you are setting yourself up for trouble. You have a house help that does something. Always trying to seduce your husband. You want her. She did not repent. You know, you can change your behavior without repenting. You know that. You know she did not repent. And you left her in the house. She has been stealing. You caught her. She did not repent. Say, but pastor, nobody there will be no help in the house. I need a help. I have to do this. You know, women tell me those kind of things. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> Go and live abroad. They don't have ourselves. And they survive. Praise the Lord. Now, my father and I, we had a house help. She stole, you see, because sometimes I forgot to use, I forget to use my perfume. So I put my perfume in the living room because if I, I put one in the living room, there's one upstairs. So if I forget to use it upstairs, on my way out, I remember I won't have to go back upstairs. That's not a good strategy. So I just, and I will go. <laughs> so, so that was what I used to make sure, you know, I have those kind of strategies because I'm not very, um... anyway. I just noticed that this bottle of perfume, I mean, it's not a regular shaped bottle of perfume, you know, was not there. I'm like, ah, I told my wife that this thing is missing. My wife said, this girl stole it. I'm like, how do you know? She said, she stole it. Oh, in my mind, I said, woman. Ah! <laughs> we are still looking for something. You know? <laughs> Everyone said, thank God for women. She insisted. We are going to search her. I, I said, you want to go and search her? I said, yes. I, I, I said, no, no, cool down. I said, no, let's go, follow me. So I was like, hey. Okay, so I was following. <laughs> what do we can do? We cannot do. My wife searched this woman, this lady. Searched her stuff. Lo and behold, my perfume was there. I was weak. I said, why would you do this? I said, ah, this perfume, I bought it in a jar. <laughs> now, now, you can't even, I'm not saying this because of that. Okay. 
the perfume. I doubt if you can see it in a jar. It's not likely. I said, you bought it in a jar. I said, but can't you see it's masculine? She doesn't know what that means. So everybody was begging for her. And I, and I listened. I, I stopped. I listened. I listened to everything they had to say. She didn't own up. I said, yeah. Come and go. It looked like I was difficult. I was hard. I was. I didn't even tell her that was why. Because if you tell her that, she would quickly repent. She said, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't tell her that. Watch out for people that don't repent. If you restore them, they will kill you. Don't do it. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Where am I? Restoration. Now, if you look at all these battles that David fought, like we said in the first worship experience, the, the battles, military battles of David can be a whole series by itself. Maybe one day we'll do a whole series, the military battles of David. You know, because it's so loaded. In fact, it is so loaded. Please read those scriptures when you get home. But let's look at one, one, the battle against Goliath. And we'll learn something that cuts across the whole battles from the battle against Goliath. David, like all of us, needed to kill his Goliath before he could access the throne. Jesus, David needed to kill his Goliath before he could access the throne. Jesus, David needed to kill his Goliath before he could access the throne. A lot of us, I don't know what the throne represents for you. There's a Goliath that needs to fall. For you to access the throne. And that Goliath will fall in Jesus' name. But you see, before you begin to, before you even face the Goliath, in the first place, you have to deal with the Eliabs of this world and the souls of this world. So you must overcome the Eliabs and the souls before you can face your Goliath. You can, you must overcome the Eliabs and the soul before you can face the Goliath. The Eliabs, 1 Samuel 17, 26 to 31. 1 Samuel 17, 26 to 31. When David got to the battlefront, he brought provision for them. Eliab and David was asking, hey, what did you guys say they would do for the man that killed this useless, uncircumcised Philistine? Philistine. What would they give the man? They said, he will marry the king's daughter. They said, hey, king's daughter? And it will go tax-free. He said, wow. While they were talking, Eliab came. I said, what are, you, what are you doing here? What have you done with the few sheep that you have? Number one. Number two, I know your heart. You're a proud little boy. You just came to watch the battle. David must have thought in his heart, me, I came to watch the battle. The battle that me, I have come to fight. <laughs> The Eliabs simply want to belittle you. That's their job. Because of their failings, their limitations and their failures, they see your dreams and your visions and they tell you, you can't do it. They tell you, why? What makes you think you can? They speak 
to your inadequacies. They try to put fear in you. That's what the Eliabs do. And they are usually people that you can call senior brothers. Praise the name of the Lord. I remember the time. There was a time. Um, 1998. 1998. I remember very clearly. I, there was this. I, I'm into IT. I, you know, so there was this certification called, a lot of you may know, MCSE at the time. You know, and it was pretty new, I think, back in the day. And there was some guy that was in the industry. So I, I, I just finished from school. Finished serving. And I said, oh, I want to do this certification. And the guy looked at me. I said, oh, no. You know, you can't do this. You just came out of school. That he has been working for how many years? People have to work for this number of years, you know, and then they still fail itself, you know. And on and on. And he just, I could see that his job, it was as if it was a sign from hell to tell me that I couldn't do that exam. <laughs> and I, I left confused. But something in me, I was sure that I could do this exam. This exam. So, guess what I did? When Eliab told David all he told David, you know what David did? David just said, mm, went to ask the person, what did you say they would give the person that killed? He just ignored Eliab. He asked the person, they told him, he went to meet another person. Hey, guys, tell me again, what would they give? Why would David keep doing that? David knew that I'm not going to fight this battle if there's no victory. You mean I'm going to go, I'm going to leave this place with the wife? Ah, no, I'm going to fight too. <laughs> was David's motivation. Praise the name of the Lord. And he kept asking and asking and asking until Saul sent for him. When he said that you couldn't do it, guess what I did? I did what David did. I just ignored him. You need to ignore the Heliabs. Just ignore them. And guess what? I registered for the first exam, which was supposed to be the simplest exam, Windows 95, the simplest exam out of the whole series, the, the simplest, and the one that I'm so used to, everybody uses that too, every time. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and said, I'm going to do this exam, do this exam, and I did it, guess what, and I pressed finish, you know you are going to get the answers immediately, and I failed the exam. The first exam, out of eight, six exams, six exams, I failed the first one. And when I failed the first one, first one, I remembered Heliab. She may have told you that it must be the Spirit of God saying to me, this is an exam. This is not the whole certification. You are going to pass this certification. You just failed one exam. Go and read again and come back. Guess what I did? I went back to read and came back. And I did the first one, I passed it. In six weeks, I did the exams every week. Six weeks, I passed the six exams. Now, can clap for God. Now, I look back and I'm like, what came over me? I was reading like crazy. I was, as in, some of you, you try the first one. It appears that you failed. Then you let the whole thing go. 
God promised you the whole thing. The whole certification. Don't quit because of one exam. Praise the name of the Lord. David didn't quit. David didn't what? David did not quit. So, if you look at David's armor, armor, and you look at Goliath's armor, in verse 38 to 40, write it down, you can read it later. Saul said to David, Oh, wear this coat of mail. Take this spear. Take this shield. Take this sword. And David actually tried them out. And David gave it back to Saul. I said, look, I can't use this thing. I mean, it is so instructive to us today. The value to us, that story right now is that, look, you cannot go against the enemy and defeat the enemy with a weapon that the enemy knows how to use better than you. Does that make sense? You, you, you cannot use the same tools that the enemy has mastered to defeat the enemy. You can't. You can't. As this is the Dr. Kenzo during the Easter session. And he was saying that you're a Christian. You have the Spirit of God in you. You can't do what the world is doing. Don't even start. You can't do it. You know why? Because you can't go the length they are willing to go. The world will not stop at bribing. If you bribe, you are feeling convicted of the Holy Spirit already. The world is willing to kill. Are you willing to kill? I hope not. The world is willing to go to a shrine to get a political appointment. Are you willing to do that? I hope not. David said, I have not tried this, but this is what I know. In the name of the Lord God of hosts, this guy is coming down. Stay where your strength is. I can't emphasize this enough. Give an example of ladies wanting to get married. You can't go the way of the world. The way of the world is exposure. Expose your body to the man. Let him see what is missing, right? The problem with that strategy is that the world, you see, you see, is not even only willing to expose the cleavage. The world, you, you say you want to expose it. Let me just expose small cleavage now. It's not a sin. That's where you can go. The world can show the whole thing. Can you show your whole thing? I hope not. I sincerely hope not. <laughs> now listen to this. Talking with a lady. Marriage. Long story short. I asked her the kind of man she would like to marry. Why she was articulating it. I said to her, she was sitting in front of me at the office. I said, look at me. I said, would you want to marry someone like me? You know what she said? Exactly, pastor. Exactly. Uh -uh. Someone that is tall, is anointed, loves God, and is handsome on top. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I can play football. I can score goals. 
I'm joking. I didn't say all that. She didn't say all that. But the key thing is that she was like, exactly. It's as if people like you, I don't seem to be attracting them. I said to her that you cannot attract someone like me with your cleavage showing like this, like this, like this, like this. You know what she did? Praise the name of the Lord. That's the truth. You can't. Because people like me get repelled by things like that. Who will you attract? A rascal. Then he gets home, he begins to manifest. You are like, Pastor, but I prayed. You prayed, but you showed too. Uh, you should too. You cannot use the armor of Saul. You need to use the surest thing in the world. The Bible says that the meek and the quiet spirit, the beauty that is from the inside, that is what a godly woman is. Praise the name of the Lord. And of course, you don't become great by, by being a copycat, copying the souls. You become great by deploying your own uniqueness, your own uniqueness. If you look at that battle, David remained simple, he remained agile. If you're running a business, you're a professional, whatever you're doing, remain simple and agile. Remain what? Simple and Agile. Goliath's armor alone is armor. Is, is coat of mail. Coat of mail is that what stuff they wear so that when you slash them with a the knife, it doesn't cut them. Even when you trade javelin, it doesn't enter. Everything weighed about 70 kilograms. Everything Goliath was wearing and carrying, 70 kilograms. How fast can he move? David would have run round him like three times before he was able to turn once. David remained nimble. And you know the story. David picked the stones and flung it and hit Goliath's head. Goliath fell flat on his face and David went. This is something very instructive. David went and cut off the head of Goliath. It's so important. It's so, so important. Everybody that grew up in this part of the world knows that when you kill a snake, don't turn your back until you what? Until you cut the head. Why? Because snakes have a way of pretending that they have died. And they have not. You have the victory See it through. And if you, if you go further, you will see that between David and Goliath, what you have there is a war of words. War of words. When Goliath came, the first thing that Goliath said is that, ah, ah, am I a dog that you came to me with a staff and a sling? David must have thought, exactly, you're a dog. And the Bible says, Goliath began to curse David with his gods. Do you know what that means? Goliath was invoking the supernatural. What did David do? The Bible says, and David answered him back. 
you must answer back every thought that has come to your mind to defame you, to defy you, to tell you that you are not going to succeed, or to tell you that you are going to fail, you need to answer it back. Many of us want to wish it away. No, no, no. You answer it what? You answer it back. You answer it back. David answered it back and said, today, I'm going to cut off your head. Now, David said, I'm going to cut off your head. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a sword. But he said, I'm going to cut off your head. I'm going to feed your bodies to the fowl of the air. You useless Goliath. Praise the name of the Lord. So, how come David won all his battles? We saw the secret here with Goliath. And if you check his words, a lot of his words, it's the same pattern with David. Why did David win all his battles? Simple. David, are you ready for this? Why did he win all his battles? David always secured victory before the battle. David always secured victory before the battle. Always. Verse 45 to 47. First, second, first Samuel 17. First Samuel 17. 45 to 47. And David replied. There was a David replied. And David replied. You come to me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. Today I will conquer you. And I will kill you. And I will cut off your head. (laughs) And I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people not by sword or spear. This is the lost battle, and it will give you to us. Praise the name of the Lord. At the valley of Elah, on this side of the hill, the camp of Israel. On this side of the hill, the camp of the Philistines. At the, the drama stage, David and Goliath. What was, what were they trading? Words. 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 Words, 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 words. Always answer back. I can never emphasize this. If there's something that my grandmother told us clearly, if somebody says something to you and it is not in line with you, always answer back. I didn't know she got it from the scriptures. Always answer back. In some bank, some, one of the first generation banks, I can't mention the name of the bank now, some guy said to a sister, a, a lady, yeah, she's a believer, and said to her that this position, she applied for a position in the organization, and said that this position, <laughs> you can never get this position over my dead body. Ah, the lady said, oh God, be careful. All I need to say is amen. And the man was furious, threw her out of, his, of her office, 
And the guy said, Amen. Listen, the man was buried and the lady got a job. It's as simple as that. If it's over their dead body, hey, let it be. I'm teaching you dangerous things, am I? <laughs> the world is a battle. Praise the name of the Lord. David never lost a single battle because David engaged God. David always engaged God. David always engaged God. There's a, there's a phrase that went consistently around David's battle. And David inquired of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord. David wanted to fight. And David, the Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord. You have your pen ready. I'll give you a, a few scriptures. Read them when you get home. And David inquired of the Lord. First Samuel chapter 23 verse 2. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord and saying, shall I go up? Will I smite the Philistines? And the Lord says, go and you smite them. First Samuel 23 verse 2. Same first Samuel 23 verse 4. And David inquired of the Lord again. First Samuel 23 4. By the time you get to first Samuel 30 verse 8, the Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue. For you will surely overtake them. And without fail, you will recover all. Second Samuel 2.1 And it came to pass after this that David did what? Enquired of the Lord. Second Samuel 2.1 And Second Samuel 5.19 Samuel 5.19 And David inquired of the Lord Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up. Now, this is the same Philistines. By the time you get to verse 23, and David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, don't go up. Wow. Praise the name of the Lord. If you are honest with yourself and you search your life, you will see that when you are experiencing successive defeats, it's because you are running ahead of God. You are running ahead of God. Are you going to be like David today? Are you going to keep running ahead of God? You know, so today we have seen that we have seen the battle that David would have lost. We have seen the battle that David almost lost. We have seen the battles that David fought and won. And David didn't lose the single battle. And we have seen why David never lost a battle. He didn't move without God. You may be here and you're like, wow, I want to be like David. I want to be like David. That I will not lose a single battle. It starts from having a relationship with God. David started by having a relationship with God. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. And let's think about what we have heard this morning. You are saying, Pastor, that is me. I need to pray with you. And, and you may be here. You are saved. You already have a relationship with Jesus. And you are like, wow. I now see why I lost here. 
we are, why I lost there. I don't need you to put up your hand, but I want you to talk to God. I make up your mind today. Make up your mind today. I say, God, help me, help me. Help my marriage, help my home, help my career, help my business. That I will not take a single decision without you. Father, I pray for everyone that, that has received the card from you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I ask that you have mercy upon them and cleanse them, Lord. Totally reveal yourself to them, my Father. And let your name be glorified.